0: And make sure you've got one of these if you can, or someone next to you has got one of these. Can you make sure you've got your handout ready? Because the Bible passage we're looking at is on the back. And so you need to have that with you. It's getting hot in here, isn't it? No? Nah? Air conditioning struggling to keep up with us? Okay. Okay. Well, let me say something, but you have to all say it back to me, all right? Are you ready for that? Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Good, job. Good job. All right, it, it is great to have the primary school kids in with us today. I hope to keep you with me. I hope you can follow what I do. I'm going to preach a shorter sermon, so you should be able to. Um, if you're visiting here with us, Darcy's already said it, but can I say it as well? Welcome. Great to have you. hope you enjoy your time here. I hope this helps you focus in on the substance of Christmas. Um, If you've been dragged along here this morning by family members and you're feeling nervous, I don't know what to say, uh, hang in there. Hopefully it's not too painful. You never know, you might get something good out of it. It's good to have you here with us. What we're trying to do today... Is, is get to the heart of Christmas. We, we want to try and celebrate the reality of Christmas, yeah? I've got a niece. One of my nieces at the moment is in the Northern Hemisphere where it's winter, and um, she's in Canada. And chatting with her on FaceTime the other day, she said something like this. She said, I'm really looking forward to finally experiencing a real Christmas. And you know what she meant by that, don't you? Like... like What she meant by that was a cold, wintry, hopefully snowy Christmas, because apparently a white Christmas is a real Christmas, you know? And it's not surprising that people think that way, because most of the things we consider to be Christmassy are associated with cold, wintry, snowy things. Think about it with me for a little bit. Um, Santa Claus, he lives in the North Pole, and how does he dress during Christmas time? Well, he's got a big beanie on, he's got a big jacket and trackies and some boots, because it's cold, so you you dress, no one's dressed like that today, I don't see anyone with a jumper on. Um, Stockings that we hang up in our houses... You know, the tradition of that is, well, in wintertime, you come in from the cold and the wet and you hang your socks up by the fireplace so they dry out and stay warm. They're wintry things. I mean, the Christmas trees we put up in our homes, often we decorate them with tinsel to make it look like there's snow hanging off the tree. But you'll notice our Christmas tree here today doesn't have tinsel, does it? I mean... How amazing is this tree, by the way? That was constructed yesterday by Lauren and a bunch of other... Let's hear it for the tree. That's that's an Aussie Christmas tree for you. We put lights on our houses to make it look like, I think, there's icicles dangling off our gutters. It's all wintry things, yeah? The food that is often associated with Christmas is... Warm food, hot food, because it's cold outside. So we bake turkeys and we have baked dinners and we have warm Christmas pudding and you have warm eggnog and all those types of Christmasy things, they're all associated, which is all good and well if you're living in the Northern Hemisphere in Christmas time. But of course we don't, do we? Here we are in the Southern Hemisphere and so it's summertime where we are. It's a bit strange that we do all the same things and play with the same things. But, you know, I reckon we do a good job translating. We take those Christmassy things and we translate them into summer versions. I mean, I've got a few pictures for you here. We have Santa Claus, but Santa Claus looks a little bit more like summer days. No, no, that's not the one I'm looking for. It's all right, Pierre's going to get there in a minute. There he is. Hey, we've got our surfing Santa. I think that's a red wetsuit that he's got there. And um, this is our version of Santa Claus. And, of course, if, if, um, if you're going to put a Christmas hat on um, on Christmas Day, it might be that you go for a swim with your Christmas hat. I think that's the Bondi Rescue Boys, is it? There you go, one for the ladies. Um, and um, we don't have snow, so we don't build snowmen, but we build sandmen. We can do that. You have a crack at that one. And we don't have all the, you might not have all the baked food, but you've probably got these little puppies on your table tomorrow, am I right? Isn't that God's candy cane, you know? <laughs> Aren't they just so beautiful? You've probably got prawns. I picked up my prawns this morning. Well, the prawns I'm meant to share with everyone else, but, um, and, and instead of pudding, we usually have stuff like pavlova, am I right? I mean, I, I think we do a good job translating these Christmasy things into summertime things. Yep. But I want you to step back a little bit because really, a real Christmas isn't really whether it's cold or whether it's hot. That's, that's not what it's all about. We know that. Yeah, it's probably why you're here today. Um, there's more to Christmas than simply the, 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 the decorations and the little things that we dress up with and there's more than that. A real Christmas is where you get to the substance where we celebrate an event. And that's what we're going to do here this morning. We're going to attempt to celebrate a real, authentic Christmas by going to the event of Christmas, a real historical event. And, and I think you've, the next slide there, Pierre, kind of was going to take you there. There's the event or a picture of the event that we're going to try and zoom in on and reflect on Because this is at the heart of it. This is the substance of it. So enjoy all the things, but don't miss this one. The way we're going to try to zoom in on this today is to notice this about the event of the arrival of Jesus, is that what we've got, effectively, is a real God arriving into a real world to bring a real rescue. I want to suggest this is how you celebrate a real Christmas, yeah? acknowledge God is real, he comes into this thing, which is very real, and he comes with something that we really need, which is a real rescue. So those three things, can you handle three things this morning? Good on you, I reckon you can too. So let's start with the real God. You'll notice on the back of your handout there is the reading, Luke chapter 2, and we've got the first 14 verses printed for you there. And we're going to zoom in on a couple of the verses on the back of that handout. And here's what we're going to start with acknowledging that what we're celebrating is a real God who's very much alive and well, a real person who enters into a real world at a real moment in human history. Look at the first four verses of chapter 2. They'll come up on the screen as well. Look at: In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree. Just notice for a minute. This does not sound like a myth or a fairy tale, does it? If it was, it would start like this. Once upon a time in a in a land far far away that would be a myth or a fairy tale but look at how boring and real this is you know this is this is accounting history yeah in those in the days of Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census would be taken of the whole Roman world it was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria there's a real things, real events in history and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judah, to Bethlehem, to the town of David because he belonged to the house and the line of David. So catch this, a real historical moment. It's in the time of Caesar Augustus. We know when that was. A real historical event. There was a census happening in the Roman world at that time Real historical people, Caesar, Quirinius, Joseph and real historical locations. This is not a land far, far away. We're talking about Syria, Nazareth, Galilee, Judah, Bethlehem. You you catching what I'm saying? Real Christmas, real God, the Son of God, King Jesus, arriving as a real person in a real location in a real moment in history that is verifiable. Yep. Sadly, so many people in our community put the whole Jesus thing in the fiction box with all the other fun characters that we celebrate throughout the year. And that might be you today. I'll get you to put that the next slide up. This is my... You might put Jesus in this category as well. It's a fun Fictionary event, we play games, we celebrate all kinds of things. But the truth is, go to the next one, mate. If you're going to talk about Jesus, you're going to talk about him being a historical fact, which sets him apart from a lot of the other fun things that we do at Christmas time and throughout the year. Thanks, mate. I know kids believe in Santa, it's awesome. But have you ever met full grown adults? who come to believe in Santa Claus as adults. Maybe you do. It's certainly in the movies a lot. But let me tell you this. Do you know every year, thousands and thousands of full-grown adults, intelligent, reasonable-thinking adults, become believers in Jesus? And it's partly because he is a real historical figure. Yep. A real God came to us. Look at verse 11 in chapter 2. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. So here's what we're talking about, a real God who comes to us, a real Lord, the Lord of all the earth comes. And when he comes, can you see the descriptions there? He comes as saviour, Messiah. Messiah just means the the Christ or the long-awaited king who would come and liberate and save, real God comes to us in this way. He's the Lord, he's the king of all the earth, he steps onto the stage of human history and as he does that, you might expect there to be a bit of a special announcement as he comes. I mean, there should be, really. If he's the king, the Lord, and he comes and he's real, you'd expect there to be an announcement. We get an announcement In chapter 2 of Luke, the announcement is to shepherds by the angels. And there should at least be an announcement, because this is a big deal. This is a big moment in history. Arguably the most significant event in all of human history. So when the King of all the earth, the Lord of glory, the very real God, enters into human history, how does he appear? How does he arrive What's going to be the sign of his coming? Where is he going to arrive? How is he going to arrive? How does the real God come into the real world? Well, in a pretty surprising way. Don't you reckon? The Messiah, the King, the Lord comes in a way that is not very powerful and spectacular. You might expect that if the King of all the earth is going to arrive, it would be pretty impressive as an event. Pretty powerful, big announcement to everyone who exists. You might expect the king to actually receive a lot of royal treatment, yeah? Red carpet, fanfare, hover above the broken humanity and just be glorified by everyone. Because that's how royalty arrives. If you think about royalty, kings or queens, when they come and visit a place, that's usually what they do. I've got some fun facts for you here. Did you know that the Queen of England, Queen Elizabeth II, visited Coffs Harbour in 1970? Put your hand up if you're old enough to remember that. Oh yeah, we've got a few. I'm not. I wasn't born yet, but I've watched the video footage, I've seen the pictures, I'm fascinated by Queen Elizabeth arriving in Coffs Harbour. And I tell you what, when she arrived, it was the classic fanfare, it was the classic Big welcome and rolling out the red carpet. Of course, you know where they took it? They took it straight to the, the big banana because that's what Coffs Harbour's all about. Yeah. Did you know this, though? She planned to head south down to Sautel. I don't know why, but she planned to do that. That was the plan. And you know what they did to prepare for her to come to Sautel? They changed the names of a bunch of streets So now we've got Elizabeth Street, we've got Coronation Drive, we've got Baronia Street. And you know what else they did? Here's the kicker, and I don't think this is a rumour, I think it's fact, but you can check it, I tried, it could be a rumour. You know Sawtell Headland? Or it's called Bonville Headland, everyone goes up there to kind of watch the sunset, you look south over the whole coast. You know that headland was somewhat of an island? Because whenever it would be a really high tide or some kind of a flood, it would flood through that area where Baronia Park is right now and so it was cut off and there was no road up onto there. But you know what they did to prepare for the Queen's arrival? They built the whole thing up and built a road out onto the headland for the Queen. There you go. Isn't that hilarious? Now you know every time you go up there this was done for the Queen and you know what? She never came. She planned to go. She never made it to Sautel, but we're left with the road out onto the headland. Thank you, Queen. But you hear what I'm saying? This is the kind of things people do to prepare for royalty when they visit. So, what's, what's the world going to do to prepare for the ultimate royalty when he comes, the King of Glory? Well, the angels tell the shepherds here's the sign, here's what it's going to be like when he comes. Here's how to prepare for him. Here's how to find him. Verse 12 in your handout. Have a look at it there. Chapter 2, verse 12. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby, a baby, wrapped in cloths, meaning a newborn baby, lying in a manger, which is an animal's feeding trough. There's the sign. There's the way you're going to be able to find the ultimate royalty when he comes. Here's how you're going to know when the king is here and where he's here. It's like the complete opposite of what you might expect. You couldn't get a more down-to-earth, low-key arrival, missed by the vast majority, only announced to shepherds who, by the way, in the first century were pretty shonky, shoddy kind of characters, not very reputable. You wouldn't get them to testify for you in court, but they are the first ones to hear that Jesus is going to come. That's going to indicate something for us. Shepherds. The nativity scene, Jesus arrives just like any one of us, but even with less privilege than you arrived. Less privilege. The nativity scenes we set up in our houses or we see sometimes out and about, I think can help us understand and get a little picture of it. Um, Did you know Park Beach Plaza's got a nativity scene at the moment? not sure if you noticed that. I was pretty excited to see that when I walked through right out in front of Richie's IGA. (laughs) Beautiful. Um, So there's the nativity I was glad to see it Um, because usually you just get a Santa thing, which is wonderful, but it's good to have this. Um, Can can I just say a few things that are missing or wrong about this nativity scene, and then a few things that are good about it? Can we do that? I think the next slide zooms in a little bit more. Um, Here's what's kind of wrong about this nativity scene. First of all, there's no shepherds in there. It's hard to see, I know. It's just the wise men. problem with that is the wise men didn't arrive while Jesus was in the farm shed. They arrived a year or two later when Jesus was a bit older and they'd moved into a house. So if you've got your nativity scene with your wise men there, I'm sorry, just put them down the, down the table a little bit. They're on their way. They're going to get there eventually, but they're not there yet. It should be the shepherds there, far less glamorous than wise men, one of them looking a bit like Santa Claus. Um, in the original story, there's actually no mention of animals. Animals. We put animals in there likely because there was a manger and it was a place where animals fed. So there might have been animals, but there's no mention of animals. The funniest thing I find about this is with, with all nativity scenes is when you zoom in on the baby Jesus, have a look at him. Look at that. Oh, like full head of hair, looking glorious. Most nativity scenes has the baby Jesus looking like a glorious man-child. Am I right? He should be swaddled up like a newborn. And we've got some newborns in here. You can see what they look like. They don't look much like that. And the other thing to notice is Mary and Joseph look pretty glamorous as well. Whereas Mary and Joseph were young, at least Mary would have been very young. And there's no indication that they were, had any finances behind them. So they were likely very poor. So you likely got this young teenage couple, no money, scared, squatting in this farm shed having their first baby. And it's even more than that. There would have been poverty and disadvantage going on in Jesus' family as he arrived as well. Mary's a teenage mum, and check this out, she's pregnant and having a baby before she's married, which particularly in the first century was a point of public shame and embarrassment. So much so you get a mention of Joseph when he finds out that Mary's pregnant and he knows it wasn't him. He actually decides to quietly separate from Mary because it's, it's a bit of a thing. Um, there wouldn't have been a baby shower as Jesus was arriving. There was no gender reveal party. None of that. <laughs> in fact, um, Mary was probably likely in hiding throughout her pregnancy, And excluded from social things and family events. And I put this to you, when it says there was no room at the inn for Mary and Joseph, I think it's less to do with the fact that they forgot to book ahead, you know, and and, and there was literally no place to stay in Bethlehem. And I think it's far more to do with the fact that they were being excluded from their own family, extended family, because of the scandal around a baby arriving out of wedlock, particularly in the first century. And if that's the case, then I think it's highly likely that it is. Because think about it. This is Joseph's hometown. This is, he's going back to the, where, where he was born. He's going back to the place where there would have been extended families still living there, and there's no room in anyone's houses. He's got a, there's a pregnant woman about to give birth, and there's no room. Now, there's room... They were being excluded. They were being rejected by their own family. And if this is the case, I just want you to acknowledge Jesus, the King of all glory, arrives on the earth in the midst of family dysfunction and exclusion, division. Sounds like Christmas, doesn't it? Jesus, the Son of God, deliberately arrives this way. He chooses to step into the thick of it, into a typical, fragile human experience of brokenness and exclusion. Jesus, the real God, stepped into the real world. Yeah? Why does he do it that way? Because it's no mistake. Why so rough, so gritty, so down to earth? Well, I think two things. It points to who he is. And it points to why he came. Who he is, what we're celebrating here today, is the kind of God who's like this. He calls himself Emmanuel, which means God with us. Like literally God one of us. God among us, really with us, down in the dirt with us. Entering into the pain and discomfort of the human experience with us. So that he can identify with humanity fully, um, and so that he can comfort us. And I want you to know this, like beneath the cheer and the goodwill around Christmas time, and don't we want things to just be light and fun and joyful? It's kind of what we all long for at Christmas time, but beneath the veneer of the joy and the cheering for many, and maybe it's you here today, is there's pain lurking beneath the surface. And I want you to know this, the God who came to us understands your pain. He entered right into it. He knows what it's like to stand in your shoes and live with the awkwardness that you've got. Yep. He's able to sympathise with you. He was tempted in every way and yet was without sin. He can comfort you in this moment, in this season, in all of your life. We sing that line and we're going to sing it in, a, in a, one of the Christmas songs in just a minute again. Um, he knows our need... And to to our weakness, he is no stranger. He he gets your weakness. He gets your pain. He gets your discomfort. But of course, there's, there's more than Jesus coming this way just to identify with us and just to sympathize with us and just to comfort us. Jesus came as the real God into the real world to bring a real rescue. That's what he comes for. So here's our third point. Can you pop that up there, Pierre? Real God, real world, real rescue from the real problem of sin. Um, Verse 11 on your sheet there, chapter 2. Look at how Jesus is described. He's described as a saviour being born. Jesus comes as a rescuer, as a saviour for you and I to be rescued from the ultimate thing we need to be rescued from and to help you in the ultimate way. So he came not just to comfort, not just to sympathise, but, but to help you in the ultimate way by rescuing you. Which is why, by the way, an angel announces to Mary and Joseph way before he's born what his name is going to be. We've had six baby boys born in this church this year. No baby girls in 2023. I don't know what that means. But can we get some baby girls next year, please? We've got some boys coming up through the ranks. Keep a lid on them, eh? But as each of those boys have been born, the person who gets to name them is their parents. And if you've had the privilege of doing this, you sit down with your spouse and you think, you make up a list, I don't know, names you like, names that are significant. Some people go with the real significant. We have some significant names this year, but it's always the parents Mary and Joseph weren't allowed to pick Jesus' name. They were told by an angel in advance, no, no, here's the name for your kid. You don't get to pick it. His name will be Jesus because the name Jesus means what? Saviour. He will save his people from their sins. Give him that name because that's why he's coming into the world. He's coming into the world with a real rescue from the real problem of our Sin, which is your greatest need. And so I kind of want to wrap up this morning by just acknowledging this on Christmas Day. Are you aware of your greatest need? You will be aware of many needs you've got. Physical needs, emotional needs, space needs, all those kinds of things at Christmas time. But I tell you, the need that lies beneath all the other felt needs is the need for your sin to be removed. Because it is your sin that's caused there to be a fracture, a deep fracture in your relationship with the one who made you and loves you. When Jesus comes, he comes to remove sin and restore relationship. Jesus' arrival addresses the big problem. He became one of us to provide a real rescue. And he needed to really become one of us so that he could stand in our shoes he could actually represent us fully, be our perfect proxy, live a life on our behalf, perfect life, die a death in our place and rise again to offer salvation, restoration with the God who loves us. Jesus is our rescuer. So what's a real Christmas? Maybe one day you'll get to experience a white Christmas and maybe that'll be fun. Well, maybe your summery Christmas works well. So, you know, peel your prawns, eat your mangoes, scoff your pav, enjoy your time tomorrow or today or whenever, or Tuesday, whenever you're doing it. Um, But let's celebrate a real Christmas. Make sure you get yourself a real, authentic Christmas by doing this, celebrating a real God who comes into a real world with a real rescue, let's do that, eh? Mm, let me pray. Father God, we love you. We love you. We love that we have something solid to celebrate on this day in this season. You, a gracious God, a very real God, who comes to us in the person of your Son Jesus. You step into our pain, into our very real experience of being broken humans But you come with the ultimate fix, the ultimate rescue for the issue that lies beneath all the issues. And we're so grateful. We love you. And we pray for whoever that is that the ambulance is going to, Lord. Would you comfort people this Christmas? Would you save us? And the people said, Amen. Amen. All right.